You know, I love new things. I love new things. I, uh, this, I'm going to have to be, new, new things are good, new things to me are good, but you know something, new things are just better than all that other stuff. I love a new pair of shoes. I'm telling you, I love a new pair of shoes. Uh, there's something about a new pair of shoes, and if I had to make a confession this morning, um, I probably have too many pairs of shoes. Uh, but you know something, I'm just telling you, I love a new pair of shoes. Now, when Aaron was a uh, Aaron was a little guy, he was about four years old. Uh, we had been out shopping and got him a, pair, a new pair of Nikes. Okay, and as soon as he got them on, he comes out of the shoe store and he runs down the street, just runs, just takes off running. And I went, and he stops and he turns around and he goes, "Oh, these shoes are so fast." I'm thinking, only a four year old could say something like that, right? New things, new things. You know, maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a new haircut. I'm just grateful I have a little bit of hair still to cut. But I do like it when it's all trimmed up in whatever, whatever form, shape, or whatever what it looks like at this point. I like that. I, you know, a new home. Now, I've had, Marcy and I had the privilege of buying a new home. I talked a little bit about that a few weeks ago. Uh, a new home, brand new. We were the first ones to live in it. That was really fun. And then we've had homes that were new to us. The unfortunate part about those homes new to us, uh, They've been money pits, and that wasn't, that wasn't fun. So I kind of prefer the new. So that's why I'm saying I like new things. New things are really, really special. And I think we all understand what new things are. We, we kind of get it. But what about this idea of a new day? A new day. Because there are some things about a new day that are really special and very unique. I think back when I was a kid, my dad would say, Hey, Gary, would you like to play golf tomorrow? Now, tomorrow. And I went, oh, yes. So from that point on, I was excited about tomorrow. The new day held all kinds of promise. Or maybe for you, it's that long-awaited vacation. And you start, you start doing it. You know, you even get your, you even get your phone out and you, you, you put the app on there that says how many days, you know, the countdown, you know, only 12 days, only 11 days. And then you start telling your kids only four more sleeps, only three more sleeps. And then we're going to go to Disneyland or wherever you're going to go. There's something special about that new day where there's anticipation, there's excitement, there's all kinds of opportunity wrapped up in that new day. And this is what we're seeing at this particular moment in our study of Nehemiah. The walls are done, the gates are done, the spiritual kind of renewal of the people is really making incredible progress. They're seeing some great things happen. And it's a new day in Jerusalem. It's a new day. And there is something special about new days. And I'm really believing this morning that today's going to be a new day for you. And a new day for everyone who's joining us this morning, whatever capacity it is. There's always a new day. There's always a new day available with Jesus. Always. Always. And I am so grateful for those new days that are available to us. You see, for, new, for you and me, new days, while they might seem at times few and far between... There, I believe in that in your family, let's believe for new days. In, in your relationships, anticipate new days. At your job, expect new days. For your future, get excited about new days. There's a time for us as the people of God to be expectant and excited about the new days that are on our horizons. And there are new days available to you and to me. When the Lord spoke to Isaiah, here's what he said. Isaiah 43, he says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep 
on, don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Now, that would have been a really good opportunity for an amen. And I heard a lot of amens online right there. There was a ton of them. So let's do that one more time, okay? Just one more time, just for the sake of effect. Not that I'm encouraging you to do an amen, but I'm encouraging you to do an amen, all right? Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Okay, God's all about new days. He's all about new days. And I'm excited to have an opportunity to share a few things today about this idea of new days. You know what's interesting about that verse is that God told the people through Isaiah, he said, I want you to forget about the old stuff, the old history. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about even the good things. He wasn't just talking about the negative things. And often when we think about a new day and we think about forgetting what was, we just forget about the bad stuff, just about the negative challenges and the difficulties. Nobody says, I want you to even forget about the old history, all of it. All of it, because God's going to do something new. What God did in the past was wonderful, but what God wants to do in the future can be even greater. And that's what the, that's what the challenge is before us. And so for the people of Jerusalem in 445 BC and today, the same was, was true and is true, is true. God is about to do something brand new. And I'm excited, I'm excited for each of us to experience that. So we're going to share just a few things this morning about this idea of new days. The first is this. When you're talking about new days, and this is from chapter 11 and 12, and we're going to get pieces, pieces of these chapters as we go through the message this morning. It's just too long to read it, but it's a narrative and there's a list of people and you'll, you'll kind of get it. The first thing is let's seek after the will of God. When new days are on us and there are new days approaching for every one of us, let's seek after the will of God. There's probably no question that I have been asked as a pastor more than that question. How do I find the will of God? How do I discern the will of God? How can I know that God is speaking to me? What, what do I do with this? You know, is this God's will or is this just my mind? Is it the pepperoni I ate last night? I don't know. What is it? And I think that is a question that many of us we, we, I don't know that we struggle with it, but we certainly ask the question. Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 1. Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of every ten of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the remaining nine were to stay in their own towns. The people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. Now what, what is significant here is that there are two different groups of people. The city has been completed. I mean, the, the walls are done, the gates are done, but there's nobody living in the city. There's just a very few. And Nehemiah realized that there was no way for Jerusalem to become the center of that community and, the, and destined for greatness without people living in the city and getting the commerce restarted. And so what he did, he cast a lot, a tithe, essentially, of everybody that was living outside the city. And that lot brought one out of ten families into the city to occupy it. And then there was another group. There was a group who volunteered to come into the city. So those two groups of people, first, those chosen by lot, those chosen by lot. This is not a chance determination. Hear that. This is not a chance determination. This is ordained of God for them to come. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. 
You see, when we do things such as that, what are we doing? We're learning, we're, we're finding, we're discovering. They're seeking after the will of God, and they're discovering the will of God even by the casting of lots. And you say, that's, that's interesting. Well, let me even throw one more thing into the, into the mix for you to consider. This is how those who serve at Crossroads Church as the leadership board are selected. They're selected by lot. You say, what? Yeah, they're selected by lot. When you look at scripture, that's the most, in my opinion, it's the most biblical approach to selection. Now, what we do is we find individuals who are nominated to be, who serve on the board. They're vetted, and then they're put through training so they understand what it means to be a board member. They have to be in a particular place. And then we take those names, and we place them in place, and we pray over them. We say, in the name of Jesus, give us wisdom and direction. And what's, there's something that happens. There is, there is absolutely no favoritism. There is no, nothing. Everyone is in that that cloth or whatever we do, the bucket, the sack, however we've done it. When those names are selected, nobody even knows who those names are. It's just a number connected to an envelope that has been set aside by others that we don't even know who it is. We open it up and we're believing that the will of God has been done. I believe that the God's will can be discerned just like that. That's one way. There's others who volunteered. And I think those who volunteered, those who volunteered were inspired by those who were, by, by just the opportunities that were in front of them. And so they're saying, God, Think of it this way. God, would this be your will for us to move to Jerusalem? You know, let's do this. Let's see what God has for us in our new days, in this, in this new opportunity, maybe to leave their home and their farm and whatever, whatever business they may have been and move into Jerusalem. Well, why am I talking about this? Because there are different ways to understand and know the will of God. Job chapter 33, verse 14 says, God does speak, sometimes one way and sometimes another. Even through people, even though people may not understand it. You see, God speaks in a lot of different ways. So very quickly, just keep this in mind. God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? God is always speaking. Are we listening? And so here are just a few things that help us how we can discern and know and seek after the will of God. First, God speaks through pain and difficulty. I'm telling you, I don't like that. But that's how God speaks, okay? That's just how God speaks. Job chapter 33, God might get their attention through pain by throwing them on a bed of suffering. Yikes. Secondly, God speaks through people. Psalm 1 and verse 1, God, great blessings belong to those who don't listen to evil advice. We probably need to, in some of our, in our environments, we need to defriend some people and we need to befriend some people. We need to connect with the right people because God speaks through people in our lives Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Boy, isn't that the truth? I wonder, were the volunteers, were the volunteers inspired by those who had been selected by lot? Well, if they can do it, we can do this. We can do this by people. The third is that God speaks through Scripture. Romans chapter 15, and verse number 4, whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us on how to live. I want to tell you, God speaks through Scripture. Why? One of the reasons that I speak so often about being people of the Word is for that reason. God has, a, God has something wonderful in His Word for you. Open up your ears and, and your spiritual ears, as it were, and hear what God has to say. Remember, He's always speaking. The question is whether we're listening or not. And then also, finally, God speaks through the Holy Spirit. 
in our lives, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, so I say, let the Spirit guide your lives. In our lives, as followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's here. He will direct us. I was having a conversation last weekend with a young lady who's a part of our congregation. And she had been telling me that she was looking to move to another, uh, I think, to Waco, Texas. And she put everything to motion. Okay, she had house set. She had all of these things set, movers lined up, all the things, ready to go. She came to me last week and she said, you know, Pastor Gary, she said, I just feel like I'm not going to go. She said, there's just something inside of me that I'm not at peace. I'm not at peace about this decision. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. Then in my conversation with her, here's what, here's what she added to that. She said, I had a conversation with another person. Well, I'll tell you who it is. It was Amanda Sullivan. And you may know, remember, you might remember her. <laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> Don't ever forget Sullivan's, please. Amanda, and it just confirmed in her that the decision that she had made was right. And she said, and as soon as I made the decision, the peace of God came across my life. You see, God's will can be discovered if we put right things into place. And it's a new day. A new day means that we're going to seek after the will of God. The second thing is that let's serve God. Let's serve God according to the gifts that he provides. As you read through Nehemiah 11, we're witness to another list of people. And this list of people just goes on and on and on. There's a whole bunch of lists in Nehemiah. And what you discover is that they are possessed a variety of skills. Some of those skills, are some of the responsibilities that the people have come out of their hereditary uh, out, of, out of who they're related to, some of our priests and Levites. And because of that, their responsibilities connected to being a priest and a Levite. You see that very obviously in chapter 11. Hear this carefully. God has placed each of us uniquely and called us specifically to accomplish his purposes all for his glory. Every one of us in this room, just as those in Nehemiah chapter 11, they were there at that point in history for a specific reason. They had specific gifts and talents. And do not minimize this and don't miss this. You are at this place at this time, not by coincidence, but by a divine plan of God. And he has equipped you to do more than you can even imagine to accomplish his purposes. A new day means that I'm going to operate in the gifts that God has given me. And I am going to do it to the best of my ability for the glory of God. A new day. Some of you will not experience a new day until you step into what God has for you next. You have been living in the past on the old stuff, on the old good things, and you are not moving into what God has for you ahead. And it's time for that to happen. It's time for that to happen. Listen to Romans chapter 12. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I mean, that's just as powerful as it can be. Chuck Swindoll said this, three things real quick. Your gifts make you valuable, not necessarily famous. They make you valuable, not famous. Second, he said, every labor done in love is remembered by God. Catch that. 
It's remembered by God. And third, he says our final reward will be determined on a basis of faithfulness, not public applause. And I want to tell you something, that is powerful. That is powerful. And it's important to know that God has gifted you. And someone has already joined me on stage. Her name is Kayla Giebler. And Kayla has a gift of leadership. She has a gift of compassion, encouragement. And we're going to talk a little bit about something very special to her heart and to our heart as a church royal family. So would you welcome Kayla, please? Hi, Kayla. Hi. You were there, I think. I was. Oh, there she is. Here I am. You know, and so, you know what's cool about that is we can blame your husband for not turning that on for I you. I try to blame him for as much as I can. <laughs> Kayla, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. We're here to talk about real family. And, there, and in, that, in that regard, what is it that, give us the, the 15, 20 second version of what is royal family. I think that is really helpful to everybody joining us in here, but also online. Sure. Uh, royal Family Kids Camp is an organization that we, they do a lot of things, but the specific that we're talking about today is a week-long summer camp um, for children that are currently in our foster care system most often because of abuse or neglect. So with that being said, we have a camp that is coming up in... Uh, June 19th through the 25th. See, there it is. June 19th and 25th. And obviously every year we are doing our very best to, to fill the staff that is there. And it takes a lot. It takes about how many people to operate a camp? It does. Um, each child has to have, for every two kids, we have to have at least one adult specifically for those two children, and then we have to have additional support staff to come alongside them um, to make sure that we're accommodating the, for the safety of the children that no adult is ever alone with any child. So it does take a lot of, a lot of volunteers. Yeah, but, and what an incredible opportunity. So what is the opportunity that's available to those who are here this morning and maybe those joining us online? Sure. So there are so many things to get involved in. Like I said, the week-long camp, that is is a commitment of a week um, of your time. Um, for me, it, I look forward to it every year. It is an incredible, incredible week. Um, I tell people, if you call yourself a Christian, you, in my opinion, are required to attend Royal Family Kids <laughs> Camp at least once. <laughs> it, you know, it just... It's the heart of God. And when you're there, it's busy. You're running. You're kind of doing your thing. But when you get home and you sit down and take a moment, God, I might cry. It feels like, when you look back on the week, it feels like I just sat in the middle of God's heart, of his purpose, of his will. Yeah. And it, it's just an incredible, incredible thing. Um, so first and foremost, I would encourage you to... Go for the week if you can. Do it. It's, it's good. Um, if not, there is opportunity in our registration team. They meet here. You get to meet the kids, get them all registered, ready to go, put them on the bus. So that's a lot of fun. That's just a one-day commitment. Um, the birthday party. A lot of these kids have never had a birthday party. Many of them don't even know when their birthday is because they've been moved around from home to home so often. Um, so that is a week. I, we typically do it on Thursday during the week of camp. So you go up. We have inflatables, carnival games, popcorn, just a giant birthday party for each of these kids. And so there's a team that comes up and helps us orchestrate that for them. So that's a great opportunity. 
And then most importantly, something that everyone can do is pray for us. We, we need prayer. These children need prayer. And, and we take these five days that we have with them and we sh- want to show them as much Jesus as we can. Amen. So if their hearts are ready for that, it just makes it that much easier. And prayer is what gets their hearts ready. So anybody that can pray for us before, during, after, all of those things uh, is a great, great way to be involved. You know, it's, it's an amazing opportunity. And Marcy and I have had the privilege of being involved with Royal Family since about 1998, I think, 1990, uh, 1999, I think. And to see all that God has done in the time that we've had the opportunity to be involved has been extraordinary. So today, you're going to be available to talk with anybody, applications, a variety of things, correct? Yes, yeah, I, I'll be out there. And um, you can also email RFK, Royal Family Kids, Temecula at gmail.com if you want more information. So RFK, Temecula at gmail.com. Also, uh, Saturday the 27th, we're having a meet and greet here at the church at 9 a.m. Just um, to give you more information if you have questions. If you're ready to go, if you filled out your application and you say, I'm coming, come on Saturday to the meet and greet. Or if you're saying, I don't know, I, you know, I have some questions or not quite sure what or how you want to be involved, come because there will be lots right. of information. So that's this Saturday, March 27th at 9 o'clock here at the church. Outstanding. Kayla, thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate you. Would you give her a hand and say thank you? Make sure you see her and talk about Royal Family. The third thing this morning is that let's be content. Now, this is a tough one. Let's be content to remain unknown. <laughs> you know something? A lot, of, most of, a lot of us like our 15 minutes of fame. We enjoy that. But you know something? It's really important to just re- Let's be content to be unknown. Harry Truman... Harry Truman, this is what he said. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. It's amazing what you accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. And I think that is so countercultural to where we live today. Everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame. They want to do something to receive something. And it is so very unfortunate. And here's another little uh, Charles Swindoll words that he put together, which he's just a master at that thing, at that stuff. Here's what he said. These are individuals that he would consider to be the willing, ready? The willing unknowns. The willing unknowns. What a powerful statement. The willing unknowns. You see, when you read Nehemiah 11, you see people's names like, <clears throat> here's two names for you. I can do these without looking at them. Joel and Judah. I can do those. Those are names that are familiar. It's not the two that you might think, like the prophet Joel and and Judah, one of the sons of uh, of Jacob. But here's some, listen to this. Or what about Amishai and his associates who were men of standing? 128. Their chief officer was Zabdiel. These are the willing unknowns. You've probably never heard their names before. But they are listed here as individuals who were faithful to do what God had called them to do. They were willing to remain unknown to accomplish the purpose of God at that particular moment. In anticipation of our new days, in anticipation of our new days, are we willing to be willing and content to remain unknown? That's just so poignant of a question. Listen, you see, when everybody is somebody, nobody is anybody. One more time. When everybody is somebody, nobody is anybody. 
And that is a paraphrase from Gilbert and Sullivan's light opera called The Gondoliers. Now, I've taken liberty with it to just trying to give you a sense of what it is. Understand, what, what is that all about? It's about humility. It's about humility. The things that we do for God are to be done in an attitude of humility. You see, to be humble, trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. To be humble, fear God. Proverbs 22, 4, it's a new day. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are rich and honor and life. To be a willing unknown, what an incredible pursuit. Also, we need to increase our passion for worship. Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 27, in a new day, an increased passion of worship. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. When you read chapter 12, there's an incredible celebration of the dedication of the walls. Nehemiah had appointed two choirs to get on the wall, and they would walk in opposite directions, and they would sing, and, and there would be music playing, and they were all moving to the temple. That's where they would join together. It was loud. It was organized. It was powerful. It was filled with celebration. It was filled with joy. It was an incredible moment of worship in the life of the nation of Judah, or Israel, excuse me. Three things from this passage of Scripture. There's a ton of things about worship. I always focus on three. Number one, celebration. When we worship, celebration. Worship was never meant to be a doleful and drab experience. One more time. Worship was never meant to be a doleful and drab experience. God's people are to come before him with joyful songs. Amen. We can do a little better. This, this side was a little bit more excited than this side. We're to come before the Lord with joyful songs, Amen. celebrating the goodness of God. Second Chronicles 29, so they offered joyous praise and bowed down in worship. Psalm 100, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness, not gladness, gladness, okay, just so you know, okay. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing and joy. Let me both encourage you and challenge you in your worship to celebrate the Lord. Clap your hands, raise your hands, and then one more thing, let the joy of the Lord burst from your heart and onto your face. Just checking. Everybody online, you guys are smiling right now. I know it. All right, second thing, not only celebration, but dedication. Dedication. While we're witnessing de the dedication of the wall, there's something significant about the word dedication itself. The word dedication means to put over the work of human hands into God's ownership. When we worship, we do something. We dedicate this to God. This is his. It's not mine. It's his. I worship him. It's so important. Worship demands the surrender of ourselves and the surrender to him of all that he has given to us. Romans chapter 12, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and to live in holiness, experiencing all the delights of his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Remember, God, God looks within to the deepest recesses of our hearts and minds. He knows whether the words on our lips are matched by the quality of our lives. Do you hear that? The words of our lips, are they matched by the quality of our lives? I trust so. John 4, for a time is coming indeed, it is here now that true worshipers 
will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Everything we do in worship is totally ineffective if it does not turn people's gaze to the Lord of glory. It is not to be something that anyone observes us. It is to point people to Jesus. And then lastly is thanksgiving. I'm not sure it's worship is worship without gratitude. Yeah, it has to be celebratory. It has to be, there has to be a dedication, but there has to be gratitude for who God is and what he's done. First Chronicles chapter 29, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to the Lord, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come to you, for you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Give thanks to the Lord, Psalm 136, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Also, in our new days, we need to live in the joy of the Lord. Would anybody say amen to that? The joy of the Lord. People who, enjoy, people who enjoy life are always in demand. People who enjoy life are always in demand. Nehemiah chapter 12. And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Isn't that good? What a great scene. A new day was, is characterized by joy. You should look to tomorrow not with gloom and doom and foreboding, but you should look to tomorrow even though it's a Monday with joy. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the joy of the Lord that is something deep within your hearts is placed there by God himself. And it is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy to be expressed, to express ourselves in joy. Happiness is not dependent on outward circumstances, but on inward focus but on inward focus. And listen to this, these couple of scriptures. A glad heart makes a happy face. You know the heart, the inward? A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Listen to this. The Lord your God will change your heart. The Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul and so that you may Live, Proverbs 4, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. You see, it's an inward focus when our heart is filled with joy and gladness. Everything else changes. We have a new day. We have a new approach, a new outlook on our day. You see, rebuilds, rebuilds include, include new days. What's a new day look like for you? What's it look like for you? Are you seeking after the will of God? As you seek after the will of God, I am confident God will give you his will and his direction for life. And there comes a new day. You know, are you, are you serving according to the gifts that God has given you? When you do, there's a new day on the horizon for you. Are you content to be a willing unknown? Saying, I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care if I've ever seen again. It's not about that. I want to be humble before the Lord. Are you living with the joy of the Lord? Oh, come on. Are you living with the joy of the Lord? Oh, we need more joy in this world. Your neighbors need joy. Those you work alongside need joy. And you can be the catalyst of the joy in that new day for them. Are you passionate about worship? See, it's a new day. 
It's a new day. The ultimate, I want to say it this way, the most significant new day of all new days is the moment you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Because at that point, listen to what Scripture says, when anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. The old things are gone. Suddenly, everything is new. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know him? Have you made Jesus Savior? Have you declared him as Lord? You want a new day? That's where it starts. It starts by asking Jesus, Jesus, be my Savior. Be my Savior. And maybe you have not made that public declaration of faith in Christ. Maybe you have done it in a way that has been somewhat private and I, 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 you know, I accept that. That's, that's fine. I respect that. But there are times we need to make some things public before the Lord. And we need to say, Jesus, I'm following you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. And before we pray today, before we go into a time of worship, just this simple question. And I'm actually going to ask you to just kind of bow your heads, close your eyes. and Because this is a question for everybody in this room. Are, do you belong to Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? That's it. There's the question. Do you belong to Jesus? Have you asked Jesus into your life? Is he Savior and is he Lord? If you can answer affirmative to that question, the answer is yes. Pastor Gary, that is it. I want you to lift your hand. You can answer yes to that question in Jesus' name. Yes. Lord, I thank you for every person who's lifting their hand right now. And I pray right now that you would give them, even at this moment, a new day, a new outlook, uh, just something so exciting. Lord, they can't, they can't even contain it. But Lord, I pray right now for those who may not have their hands lifted. I pray right at this moment they would make that declaration today. Jesus, be my Savior. I need a new day. I need old things to go away. Even if they're good, I need them to go away. I need to get off of what was. And I need to look ahead to what is and what will be. In Jesus' name, be my Savior. Be my Lord. I give you my life. From this moment on, I'll follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that if we have prayed that prayer from our hearts with integrity, I know you hear us, you respond. And I pray, Lord, today is a new day, that old things are gone and all things become brand new. That's our prayer. Now, Lord, in the moment, we're just going to lift our voices in worship. I'm going to ask the prayer team to join us on the sides of the auditorium. But we talked about praise a little bit this morning. Let your praise and your worship be passionate. Fill this place with songs of joy, adoration, dedication, celebration. Let the, let the glory of the Lord rise within your heart. Be filled with his presence. Worship as, as you've never worshiped before. Let it be passionate and strong. Lifting our, our voices to the Lord in praise. And God, accept our praise. Accept our praise today. And I pray, Lord, for every need in this room, those who will respond in a moment to our prayer team. Lord, I pray you'd meet them there with the strength that you provide. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship our great God.